back everyone to the footy face podcast the place to tune into if you're hungry for more footy content episode seven this week fellas how are we uh good i'm glad that uh uh jay schultz interview is finally coming out we had that one uh, in the back burner for a while but it is ready to be released so that's exciting um otherwise good just working through a weekend of no football on other than the aflw but we did go along so um yeah we'll have a little bit to talk about in that space richard yeah, it's also one of the best times of football year. I absolutely love the trade period. It's good to get around it. It's exciting. It lets you talk about a lot of hypotheticals and stuff, but yeah, all good. Personally, going well. Went to the AFLW. First game I've been to was pretty good. Got some talking points, but we'll touch on that later. All right, so good segue into the AFLW showdown. Um, first ever showdown for the AFLW for Crows and Port. Crows, eight goals, 15-63 to Port, zero goals, three points. Chelsea Randall taking out the first showdown medal in this absolute blowout. You guys went to the game. I couldn't go. What happened? How many people in the crowd did you say there was? Just just over 20. Yeah, 20,652. Excellent result. It felt like it there. There were a lot of people around the stadium and in the stadium. Um, well, we sat. Where do we sit? The seating was a stuff up for starters. We got there and our seats were in the top tier of the Riverbank stand. The bank stand wasn't open all night. So then we started to look at other seats only to get moved because people's actual seats were where we were sitting. Once we finally got our seats, we got to enjoy the football. Um, it wasn't that exciting unless you go for the Crows. But there were some important uh, outtakes from the game. Rick, what's your uh, initial thoughts on the game? Um, so I'll just touch on a few things that you said. The seedings were bad. Not only did we have to move seats, but we seen multiple people around us get in like not well, disputes with other people about getting the right seats as well. Um, with the 20,652, I did notice there were a lot of female supporters. Um, that's good. That's going to help the female sport grow in popularity. It will also strive for more females to make the AFLW, so it will improve over time. Um, they're really good signs. Um, here, so the points I have for the AFLW improvement is um, the tackling's just too high. Um, I think coaches need to teach some of these players not to stand so flat-footed, um, hit the ball at speed, provide yourself an opportunity to be in a moving motion to break tackles. Um, another note I have is Port Sydney and Hawthorne need way more assistance. They might need bigger salaries to attract more star players, but these three teams are horrendous and yeah, they're going to need a lot of support. Um, and then I've got three names here. So Chelsea Randall and Hatchard and Ebony Marinoff. So between them, they kicked five goals. They had almost a hundred touches and 30, like 30 marks and 20 tackles. Like they were the difference. If they didn't play, it probably would have been a close game. But the, the difference of the high-quality females at the Crows in comparison to who I have the best players for Port as Alex Ballard, Aaron Phillips, and Hannah Ewings, um, it's just not even on the same level. There's just the gap of the elite females to the um, the average females. It's just way too big. And, yeah, Port are definitely going to need some additional support moving forward. Yeah, that was my biggest takeaways too. It was a three-man – it was a three-woman game. Um, and the three players you mentioned – just tore the game apart. Chelsea Randall did in the first half and Hatchard was there around it the whole time. And then as soon as Chelsea Randall finished the game off by quarter time, Ebony Marinoff came through and just took charge as well. Um, those three 
skill-wise, speed-wise, hunger-wise. They know where to go. They're just football IQ is just on another level. And like you said in the AFLW, that's the difference between the good and the bad teams. You have a couple of good players. Um, the Richmond have Monte- Monique Conti, who just dominates. Um, North Melbourne also have a girl, I can't think of her name, that just dominates as well. And all you need is three or four super classy females and uh, you'll win most games. So the Crows were too good. Those three were everywhere. Um, unfortunately for Port, wasn't the best start, but in year one, there haven't been any of the new teams doing that well. you got a diluted talent pool. Um, you're coming in trying to poach players away and um, yeah, they're young and they'll get better, but it's going to be in pain, I think. Well, here's a quick fact for you. So Port kicked three points and we had three times the score Sydney had. So they're not alone. Um, these new expansion teams, they're, they're quite desperate, I feel, moving forward. And I think for the integrity of the league, um, the AFLW overheads or CEOs, whatever, they're going to need to step in and do something about it. I mean, there were a couple of games on the weekend looking at it now that were close. West Coast and Hawthorne was three points. Um, Bulldogs and Geelong was one point. St. Kilda and Collingwood were two points. But you look at the other expansion teams was Kangaroo 67 to 1, so almost identical to the Port game. Sydney just got pumped. Essendon, the other new team, 62 to 18. Um, they got demolished by Brisbane. And then uh, Hawthorne actually won. So they beat the Eagles, who were in that position last year of Port and the other teams just getting pummeled every week. So, um, yeah, they're, they're slowly getting there, but I think there's going to be a lot of pain before we get anywhere. Um, but no, it was a good game to watch, and um, yeah, we'll look forward to trying to get to another game when we have time. How was the crowd atmosphere? Uh, it was good early. Like the port, it was a port home game. They did never tear us apart, um, which wasn't too bad. Um, we had all the twenty thousand pretty much in the bottom level and in the second level, so that um, made for a bit of atmosphere. But the whole life got sucked out of the game about ten minutes in, once Port realised that they had no chance. Um, yeah, people were there, happy, a lot of families there, um, strong female crowd watching as well. So, um, yeah, a few different things from what you normally see at the football in terms of, like, the mix. But um, it's good for the game, I think. The, the kids love it, and um, it's definitely popular amongst the, a few different demographics. So it definitely has a place, and I like it actually being on this time of year. That's something I actually want to say. Like, playing it over summer not not the best idea like playing it now has actually been really good people are still in the grips of footy season and um flowing on we're going to get four or five rounds of clear air now from the afl men's um taking us into the big bash season so i think this is a great time of year for it and it's uh yeah been great to put it now All right, so for those uh, loyal listeners and the ones that follow us on socials, you would have seen that we launched a new logo this week. Um, So if you haven't seen it, um, go on socials, have a look. But if you have, flick us a message, let us know what you think of the new logo. Uh, It got designed by one of my mates or one of our mates, Jordan DeSena. He uh, is a loyal listener. He's been listening from the start of the podcast. So shout out to Jordan. and any of those following along with the AFLW fantasy, he is very serious about it. Um, and his overall ranking at the moment is 55 um, out of the whole AFLW fantasy league. His team name is Air Jordan. 
Um, so if you want to follow him on Twitter, his whole journey is on there week by week. He's also just released his new EP, which is called Alone on Spotify as well. All right, boys, we've got the draft team analysis. Uh, Jake's got his first that he sent you, Craig, Frio. Yep, so I have a little bit. We're just going to go through some of our teams um, that we support have a lot going on at the moment. Um, I go for Collingwood, obviously. Rick goes for Port. And Jake, who's featured on one or two podcasts and puts a bit of work in for us, goes for Fremantle. So he's just given a little bit of um, analysis for those Fremantle fans out there on um, what is going on at the moment. Uh, Obviously, they're trying to get Luke Jackson in. but Fremantle are doing a lot of trades for future picks. Jake says that Fremantle are banking picks for next year's WA heavy talent pool. Um, so he feels like even though we're not getting any results, Fremantle fans right now, um, with our draft picks and picks coming in this year, he says the cream of the crop next year um, out of WA is really high and a lot of them will be in first round calculation. He says there could be up to half a dozen um, first rounders coming out of WA next year. So that's why Fremantle are doing all the hard work and getting all these future picks now, um, especially the North Melbourne ones that fall just at the end of uh, round one and round three. Um, so he's confident that the Jackson deal will get done. Um, they have the picks there to do it, and they'll probably use most of this year's ones. Um, so they're going to be banking a lot of points next year to go back to the draft. So all their eggs are in Jackson this year. And he says they'll probably get Sharp and Corbett over line two to make a bit of depth back. Um, but he's pretty confident that next year they're just preparing for a bumper crop. Um, he is also thinking that Fremantle will probably hold ground in that somewhere of five to eight in the ladder. Um, they get five back, adding Jackson in. Um, and they haven't lost a lot out of their first team. Logue and Akers. Um, if they get Jeremy Sharp, that'll cover the Acres loss. Um, and Logan, he reckons they have enough talent there to replace in the forward line. So uh, that's a, just a, what's going on from Fremantle um, in Jake's uh, analysis for those fellow Fremantle fans. Uh, we'll do Collingwood next because I know Rick has bumper analysis from Port Adelaide. He actually done a bit of homework this week. Um, Collingwood analysis from me. Daniel McStay is a handy pickup. He'll slot straight into the first team in the forward line there. Um, he might end up in the back line. Who knows? I'd like him in the forward line with Johnson and um, Mychek. I think that we have a lot of versatility in the forward line with him in there now. They're not all massively tall defenders, but they work hard. So that's where that will improve. Bobby Hill will add to our forward mix. He's quick um, and he's got a few highlights on his highlight reel, but I don't know if I've seen enough to guarantee him a starting spot straight away. Um, 30-odd games and 30-odd goals um, is good, but it's nothing to get too excited about. So I think he'll have to earn his starting spot in the team. I think McCreary, um, Junivan are ahead of him, especially Elliot too. Um, Oliver Henry going will hurt a lot. I hope we keep him. Hope we can convince him to stay because I think he's a, an A-grade talent in the making. 
but if he goes and we get a first rounder back, so be it. We'll um find someone for him. Tom Mitchell and Braden Fiorini, they would help our depth. Um, would they start in the team? Tom Mitchell would. Braden Fiorini would have to earn his spot in our starting team. Are we a better team in 2023? Losing Brody Grundy hurts a lot. He makes us a better team. If he came in, he would have been like a new recruit because he didn't play all year, especially on our run. Um, but we have to spend money to make money, I guess. So someone, someone out, someone in. Uh, fantasy implications. Uh, mixed day will be sitting in the 70-odd points mark. I don't see him kicking too many more goals than 35-odd. Um, Bobby Hill's not worth worrying about fantasy-wise. Tom Mitchell will get a lot of points. He'll get 100-plus if he lands at Collingwood and starts in the middle. I don't think we'd mess around with him in any other position than just straight out of the guts because we have a lot of other players that can play forward and back better than him. Um, and I'd expect top eight ladder again for Collingwood. So that's where we sit in trade week at the moment. We won't have a massive hand in the draft, but that's okay. With, yeah, with us. So that about sums up Fremantle from Jake and Collingwood from me. We've been big players in the draft. Now Rick, who got really excited the other night, like our phones were blowing up. He was wearing, he's already ordered a custom JHF Guernsey. Um, with number one on the back because he was pick one. He hasn't stopped talking about it for the last three days. No, he said if he has a child, he's going to name it JHF. Whoa, whoa, um, whoa, whoa. All right, let me cut you off. He's not going to wear number one. He's not going to be the captain, but it is a sign that Stephen Motlop did retire this year. Number six is available. Jason Horn Francis is coming in. He's getting his original number, and he'll be ready to go. There you go, number six. Um, that is a good sign. Yeah, well, I was wondering what number he would wear. I thought Robbie Gray left, and he was nine. Um, think of Motlop, who was six. But, yeah, there's another one. There's a few spots opened up to take a low number, so I think um, he'll get first choice once he gets still over the line. So, Rick, talk about Port Adelaide because I need a drink. Um, so, first of all, the only deal that Port have done at the moment is pick 27 for pick 33, 43, and 53. Um, it's probably going to upset West Coast because they really wanted pick 27 for Willie Rioli. There has been the rumours as of we're recording, that there could be a three-way trade. So the three names that Port are targeting anyway are Jason Horn-Francis, which I think gets done, Willie Rioli, I think that deal gets done, and then Asava Radigalia, um, Port are targeting him. I don't know if that deal gets done, but I'm pretty confident on the first two. Um, so Jason Horn-Francis, so I've just got it in general. So um, his stocks go up once this deal gets done. He'll be back home, happy, playing football, Port love to blood the kids. You better believe he'll be starting next year in the midfield. Um, he'll be a midfielder who rests forward and not a forward who pinch hits in the midfield. Um, Fantasy-wise, I'd be expecting a minimum 75 from him. I definitely think his scores are going to go up. Um, but on another note, so Amon and Gray had 200 CBAs last year. Um, Jason Horn francis coming in um, may mean that Drew will fall out of favour. Because you'll have Rosie, Wines, Boak, Butters, and Horn Francis all above him now. Um, and then probably some natural progression. So if you're a Drew owner, it's probably time to cash out now, I imagine. Um, but if you can get your hands on Horn Francis fantasy-wise, get him in. He might even have forward status next year. Um, the next player is Willie Rioli. Um, once again, same situation. He's coming home to SA. I feel like he's going to want to prove himself after his shady past and his... 
um, suspension. Um, I do probably think he's probably going to be our best small forward next year. Um, he kicked 14 goals last year at West Coast, who was stinky. Um, expect at least 25 goals from him um, at Port Adelaide next year. Fantasy-wise, he's not a fantasy-friendly player, so I wouldn't worry about him. Um, but this will also, I believe, affect two other players in a good way. So Zach Butters and Connor Rosie or Jason Horn francis won't be relied as a small forwards anymore, letting them play more midfield role. So I dare say that their midfield time will go up. Obviously, their scores will go up because Willie Rioli can fill that hole. Um, and Sam Powell-Pepper become quite a good medium-sized forward this year, being Port's second-highest goal kicker. So that forward line will stabilize a little bit better without Rosie and Butters needing to be there. Um, Radigalia, I don't think this trade will happen, but if it does, it will be awesome. He'll be a big key lockdown defender, which is what Port Adelaide needs. Both of our lockdown defenders aren't very big. Um, Radigalia, super athletic, can lock down on the big tall forwards and let the other defenders take the smaller forwards. So it would be good to get him in. Once again, fantasy-wise, not relevant. Um, Port's ladder prediction. So I think Port will probably be around the same mark. There's a chance we make finals. There's a chance we just miss out. I feel like we'll be fighting off the Bulldogs, the Colton, the Richmonds for that eighth place finish. Um, three things I have here, which I want your opinions on and just let me know what you think. Um, so these are three facts or points of difference that I think Port Adelaide will have next year compared to what we had this year. All right. Number one, Orazio Fantasia. So he's probably going to come out and play the best football of his career to date this year. Um, he's going to be out of contract at the end of this year. So if he doesn't perform, no team's going to take him. Like his AFL career is on the line this year. Um, I'm not a huge fan as he is a potato pumper and he kicks a lot of goals against a lot of bad teams and doesn't do much. Um, but he also ended this season early to start a preseason for next year. And it's the first time in six years he won't be coming off a surgery um, for preseason. So what do you boys reckon about Orazio next year? I mean, Orazio was good before he decided that he wasn't um, going to be on the park this year. I thought he is like an extra body um, back in Port's forward line. Is he going to fit in now? What dynamic does he bring? I don't know. Um, they have a really tall forward line. So can they sacrifice a tool to get him in? Probably yes. Watch tool do they sacrifice to get him in? That's another problem they have, bringing in these small forwards. Um, yeah, the port forward line is looking really heavy. Um, they got a lot of players to get through there, so a good preseason will, will help Orazio, and I think he's good enough to get a starting spot, but um, the dynamic in that forward line is confusing right now. Pete? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I don't know. He didn't kind of blow my mind when he was when he played the games at Port. Um, I don't know how he's going to go having a full season off. But like you said, if he's only got a year left on his contract, runs out. I think he's had the year off. He's coming back, like you said, without um, a preseason injury. Hopefully, so who knows? He might have to shine to prove himself. Yeah, well, I hope so. Because if not, that's probably the worst trade from Port Adelaide I can think of for a while. Um, my next point, so this is for fantasy mainly, Miles um, Bergman or Xavier Dersma, one of these boys are about to become an elite wingman of the competition. Carl Amon was one of Port Adelaide's best players. He leaves a ginormous opportunity for one of these boys to step up and take it. The only thing will be, do they lock down that role before Dan Houston takes over? 
Dan Houston, I think, is a very valuable ring, we, uh, ringman. Wingman. He could be a ringman. Um, wingman, I think that's where his best position is, not off halfback. I think they need to give him a settled amount of time there. Um, who's on the other wing for Port already? No, so that, there's a wing open because um, <laughs> Carl Amon just left. Yeah, so opposite Houston. Um, Bergman or Dersma are probably the most likely two candidates. Oh, I would probably put Dersma there because Houston um, is good at the defensive side of the game, so he can be the defensive wingman um, that runs back and helps out. And I think Dersma has been known to kick a few goals and get up and down that wing, so I think it's a Dersma... Houston um, wing duo for me, I guess. And then I think um, Bergman's going to slot in across halfback anyway. So I think that's fine to have him there and the other two up on the wings. Peter, any thoughts on that? Or are you happy with that? Um, happy with that. Happy with that. Sweet. All right. And this is what I think is going to be the biggest change for Port Adelaide next year. And I think this will actually contribute to us winning more football. Um, so... At the end of this year, Jeremy Finlayson wasn't the best ruckman. Everyone can see that. But he was really good around the ground. He still got forward. He kicked goals. Champion data had him as the only ruckman in the competition rated elite. Um, but with Scott Lysette coming back now, he will be handling the premier ruckman of the other team. So Scott Lysette's a good tap ruckman. He'll provide opportunity to our midfielders. Um, but now what will happen is Jeremy Finlayson will come in and play on another team's second Ruckman. And from what he did against team's first Ruckmans at the end of this year, I think that will be a huge point of difference when another team's Ruckman needs to rest and he can come in and I think he'll start running through other team's second Ruckmans. Um, yeah, so I just really think that Lysette, Finlayson, Ruck combo is going to do damage next year. Um, Finlayson isn't the genuine number one Ruckman, but as a second Ruckman, I think he's going to, um, surprise a lot of people and actually do a lot of damage. I don't hate that take. Um, Jeremy Finlayson was not elite at the hitouts, but was elite at clearances and getting his hands on the ball early. Um, and he's definitely very versatile and can take a grab. So I think there's definitely a role for him. If I had to have Jeremy Finlayson or um, Shane Grigg playing ruck, I think Mitch Grigg, no, Shane Grigg playing ruck um, for Richmond during those premiership years. I'd, I'd much rather have um, Jeremy Finlayson. I, again, wonder how top-heavy Port are going to be in their team. They're playing so many tools, I find it hard to figure out how they're going to get enough run around the ground. Hey, Yeah, I think uh, I liked Finlayson. He definitely, um, you could tell he wasn't didn't have quite the tank for how much running around the ground he had to do this year, being thrown in the ruck, but I think he'd be better for it next year. I, I think he's, I'd rate him pretty highly. I like the position that he played this year for Port. Yeah, like Craig said, like he was elite at everything else. He wasn't good at the ruck hitouts. But when he's not our number one ruckman and he's playing against those second tier ruckmen, I feel like that stat will go up as well as he'll keep his um, explosiveness around the ground. But yeah, I really like the look of Finlayson as our second ruckman. Yeah, beauty. Anything else for the Port analysis, Rick? Uh, yeah, so just quickly. So Fantasia, don't pick up for fantasy-wise. If you're willing to take a punt on who you think gets the job out of Miles Bergman and Xavier Dersma, one of them will average more than 90. One of them will average 70. Um, Jeremy Finlayson, ruck forward for fantasy, probably a good pickup. I think he'll probably average around 80. Scott Lysette will do what he normally does and average around 80 as well. I have a quick question for you on Port Adelaide. Is um, Tom Jonas still the, the captain next year or is it moving on? Um, I think he'll keep it. I do think Port Adelaide's plan 
will probably be to make Connor Rosie the next captain. He's probably not ready yet. Um, so I dare say Tom Jonas will probably hang on to it for a few more years. And then, yeah, he'll probably go to Connor Rosie. All right, fake trade time. So I don't know how many fake trade you guys have this week, but I'll roll straight off considering we're just talking about Port. I have none. You guys handle the fake trades. I just answer them. Sounds good. <laughs> um, the first one I've got here was from 7AFL earlier in the week. Port received JHF, North received pick eight, a future first round pick, and Josh Sin. I think that's a pretty good trade. I'd be happy with it. Whatever gets JHF through the door um, and is not one of the two, not a, a first choice player over the two first rounders they have. Um, yeah, works for me. Um, it's probably overs in the fact that that's essentially three first round picks. Um, but I agree. Jason Horn Francis is a big name. He said he wants to come to Port. If you have to pay a little bit overs, you do it and you get him in the door. I just have a quick question on that. Port must have averaged 25,000 fans this year. How many extra people come through the gates if JHF is in Port Colours next year? I don't know, like his immediate family and extra seven people. Um, <laughs> you're telling me that you're getting super excited about this and you're part of the fan base. Is the fan base getting excited? Are they coming back in droves to watch JHF? Um, the problem with Port Adelaide is we had a really big drop-off this year. So mm-hmm. a lot of the hype fans, once they realised we weren't good, stopped coming. Are they coming back now because JHF is coming? Because there's no one with more hype than this kid. Um, potentially. It's, all, it's more going to be based around how Port play. Um, Round one, how many fans or a Port getting? 40,000 plus for the first game. Beautiful. Easy. JHF is bringing an extra 15,000. I look forward to that. <laughs> Continuing, Pete, sorry. I just want Rick to make a real big call. Um, before we move on to the other fake trades, we were talking about this the other night when we went for a kick of the footy. Um, digress slightly a little bit again, but if you haven't watched the reel from our little dob the other night that Craig put up on Instagram, have a watch. Vote whether or not you think the second kick was a goal because at the moment it's about 54% yes. Mm, it um, is. I think it was a goal upon looking at it again. I Rick's, don't know how Rick said it was a point. but Rick said it wasn't, but I had my hands up saying I was, it was a goal. But, well, yeah, the the fans have at the moment said, yes, it was a goal. In real life, when I looked at it, it didn't look like a goal, whereas in that video, it actually looks like a goal. <laughs> this has got Tom, Mitchell, uh, Tom Lynch all over it. That is, a, that is a firm backtrack, people. That is a firm backtrack. Uh, I stand by the statement, it wasn't a goal. <laughs> all right. So, moving back to the digress before that, but we're talking about this uh, trade-related topic uh, while we're having a dob. We're saying how Richter said before, that trade with JHF, the fake one, is essentially three first-round picks. Where have we come to that players are now being worth three first-round picks? Like, what are you boys... I know, Craig, you said that, um, like, when is that going to stop? Like, the precedent's been set now... For a while, a couple of round, a couple of first rounders. Now, third rounder. If that's going to be a thing, well, that is, it's just getting a bit out of hand, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, for those of you that watched the NBA, it started off with with a couple of picks, and now to get any sort of superstar player, you need ten first round picks, ten second round picks, and to trade off all your best players in order to get one player through the door. The AFL is is heading this way. If someone doesn't put a stop to it and say these players are good but they're not worth trading three first round um, first round picks away like there has to be a line drawn is Luke Jackson who had one good grand final game is Jason Horn Francis who was a brat off the field and 
couldn't bring a decent first season together worth three first-round picks. I don't know. I know if I had three first-round picks, I'd be looking at a Clayton Oliver, a Petrarca, a, a someone of name. So like to think about it, if that's what you get for a JHF and Jackson, then then what's Oliver and Petrarca and, and Paddy Cripps and Sam Walsh go for five first-round picks? Because that's, that's the floor right now is three if these trades are going to go through with three first-round picks. And that's giving up such... Well, it's like a big amount of your future with like even three round picks is a big amount of your future. Yeah, it's huge. Right of the club. That's massive. And we did we put we put it up on our poll about what Adelaide was prepared to trade for uh to JHF. get JHF. Yeah. And and that was the start of last year, wasn't it? That was the start of last year. And and what that's turned into since was Adelaide would have given up Josh Rochelle. They would have given up Jordan Dawson, because that pick was traded to Sydney that they had in there. And they would have given up pick five, which is turning into Isaac Rankin, all to get JHF. Now, I'd argue JHF looks like an amazing talent. Could be a generational talent. But for your team, three first-choice players in who are quality first-choice players in Dawson, JHF, and Rankin far outweighs what you're paying for JHF. So, Well, just on that topic, we did put that question out. And just so you know, 53% would still take Jason Horn francis over those three players. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. So he was me, in favour of JHF? 53% voted that North Melbourne did the right thing, kept the picks and got JHF. Like, I was surprised. I vote on all the polls with what I think, and I voted the Crows. I thought this was going to be a landslide. Um, just while we're on it as well, we did just speak about it, so I did also put another poll out. Who's worth two first-round picks? Jason Horn, francis and Luke Jackson, both on neither. Um, the highest one was people, uh, 42% said Luke Jackson's worth um, mm-hmm. two first-round picks. Then the next highest was neither are worth two first-round picks. Mm-hmm. Um, then it was both are worth two first-round picks. And Jason Horn, francis come in last for is he worth two first-round picks. Yeah, and he's worth more than two first-round picks. And it looks like Freeman is going to give up more than two first-round picks for Luke Jackson too. So back to Peter's original point, where is the cutoff line on what any single player is worth? Um, And what do you think? Should the AFL start kind of putting a sanction or a cap on? Well, they have. They said you can't trade any more than one future pick. In the first round, if you don't have a second round, or I don't and, know what that works as. Yeah, but. and without getting a pick, without getting another one back as well, you can't trade yeah, so the, the first AFL round and second to round. Handicap teams mortgaging the future, but I'd argue the Crows get three two hundred gamers in Dawson, Rankin, and um, Rochelle in for Jason Horn Francis is is much better for their team makeup going forward than just having Jason Horn Francis. He would need to be. Dustin Martin Grand Final, Gary Ablett Jr. Yeah. To be worth those three to a team. Like, that's the level you're putting him at. They also aren't three average tier players either. No, they're not. They're A grade. Dawson came in and basically changed our whole season. Rochelle will will be be, an A grader. Yeah, will project to be one. And Rankin was brought in with pick three in the draft, assuming he's going to turn into an A grader. So. You're giving up three picks for one guy when you can have all those three in your team. That's um, I think that is bizarre that that, that poll was 53% for JHF. There must have been a lot of Port fans in there voting, I swear, because, yeah. Yeah, it, it, honestly, it blew me away. I think I can come up with five names where you would be, would you trade three first-round picks for them? Do you want to hear them? Go. Would you trade three first-round picks for Nick Dacos? 
No, I would not. No, not. Wait, are you saying three first-round picks or are we saying the three players at the Crows? No, three first-round picks. Like if you've got three first-round picks. Would I trade them for Nick Dacos? Would you no, trade them for Nick Dacos? Nope. No. So that means you boys are not even close to Jason Horn Francis. Nick Dacos's year was way better than his. Yeah, it would. I don't think anyone's worth three first-round no, picks. That's, like, as that, I, that premium is so high. Three first-round picks. Like that. That's 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 crazy in my eyes. Yeah, when you're getting to two first round picks, should be the most you ever trade away. You can add a second or third or something, but yeah, on those first round talents, something like that. But just you can't yeah. trade any. You can't trade three first round talents away for one player. All right, Aaron Norton is worth two comfortably, not three. Agreed. Andrew Brayshaw, Ooh, probably worth two again, but I, I wouldn't think three. No. But, like, think about it. If you're comfortable to trade two first-round picks for Taranto, Andrew Brayshaw is younger and better. So why would you still get two first-round picks for him? Like, just out of curiosity. Well, Taranto because was a first could- and a second rounder because it was pick 19 that um, and pick 12. So very first pick of the second round and first round for Taranto, really. But uh, two first-round picks, but two high first-round picks. Does that change it? Two, uh, a top, two top yeah. 10 picks? Do you want to be more specific? I'm happy to be more specific. All right, one top 10 and then two later. Yep. Uh, no, nah, not even two later. Still one top 10 and one later. Yep. And then maybe like a, a late second or an early third yeah, or something correct. like that. Yeah, but you not, can't not trade three first. first rounds. Nah. All right, next name, Sam Walsh. He gets two first rounders. You'd probably want an early first round, almost a top five or six pick in there with another first rounder. But yeah. And then the last name, this is the only one I would do the deal for, but Clayton Oliver. I would think he'd be approaching again like Sam Walsh. He'd need a very high pick in there um, along with a, a probably a mid-first rounder as well. But I mean, the only way you could ever justify three first rounders is if you got pick 15, 16, 17, 18 maybe, three really back back end of first rounders that are borderline seconds. You could say that is three first rounders technically speaking, but it's yeah, yeah, speculation I- picks at that point in the draft anyway. Yeah, but just on that, you couldn't trade pick 15, 16, 17 for pick one. Whoever had pick one wouldn't trade those no, well, three first exactly round right. picks for that. So, correct. So, really, technically speaking, you, you could trade three first rounders, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about like the top 10 who we know are going to be good players in the draft. Yeah, and I think if, if a club is going to give three first round picks for a player, you want a player that you already know is and can be a premiership player you're trading away three first-round picks. Like I know JFH, JHF could be, like Craig said, a generational player, but you're still banking on that that is going to be the case. Whereas if you're getting someone like Clayton Oliver, you already know you're going to get an A-class player and you're not having to bank on for that to mature. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm a Port Adelaide fan. I don't think Jason Horn francis is worth three first-round picks, but I do think Port just need to do whatever North Melbourne want to get the deal done. He's an SA boy. We need to get in this year because next year he might decide he want to go to the Crows as well. That will open a bigger bidding war. You might have to pay more then. Just get him in now, get him on a long-term deal, um, and then hopefully he never leaves. He's close with his family. He wants to come back to SA for a reason, but yeah, I really want to get him in. Yeah, I think that was actually a pretty good Pretty good debate we had there on that. I think those yeah. listening would be pretty happy with that. The if ones you have any fire, always good. Yeah, we might even put. Yeah, well, Rick did put the poll question up, and we can put another one. Up saying, do you think any players worth three first rounders? And you can throw some names at us that we'll discuss next week. But um, yeah, I think we nailed that. Um, I might even do a would you rather next week as well, and I'll throw out some actual like whatever Jason Horner Francis deal comes in for a Luke Jackson's deal. We'll compare that to current players and see who would you rather even. Yeah. yeah. 
That like sounds it. like a good Rick's uh, Would You Rather's back. Yeah, the, I like Rick's uh, Would You Rather's. You should bring that back next week, definitely. Um, and then we've just got one more. So this is the fake trade that I put up for um, JHF. Obviously, we didn't have as much information as by the time we're recording this podcast. Um, but I said Jason Horn Francis, um, obviously to Port Adelaide, and North Melbourne would get Xavier Dozma, pick eight, and a future second. Um, and people, it was 50 50. So it was 52 48. So right on the line. Yeah. Well, that sits in there. Jason Dozma was a, a, a mid to late first rounder. So he went after. Butters and Butters was about 12. So yeah, he would have been so late first rounder. About 15, 16. So that's two first rounders, Ports Pick 8 as well. And then a second round selection, which is probably which is okay. Basically, what we just said yeah. in our debate. So I think that's a pretty fair trade. Uh, it's probably still overs, but yeah. I think to get but a first what, round draft pick out of a club, you have to pay because and, they were taking that pick one for a reason. And you're going to have to pay because the club knows that he's coming back to his hometown and that you're going to be paying a bit more for him. On top of, like, realistically, he got taken over Sam Darcy and Nick Dacos for a reason of what they seen as what he could perform as a junior. So the potential is definitely there. Like, Nick Dacos come out this year and lit it up. Sam Darcy come in late to the Western Bulldogs, and he looked, like, really good. And, like, all the preseason hype was it was Jason Horn Francis or Dacos. So he is at this level. Did North Melbourne let him down? There's a chance. So I'm excited to see what he does next year. Are there any more fake trades, Pete? Or that was it? That's it. Just those two. Sweet. All right, time for our listener questions. Uh, we got three listener questions this week. We'll just roll straight into it. First question is, what is in store for Essendon and North Melbourne next year? Re their CEO, coach, and squad issues. Um, now, before we go into it too much, we're going to talk about the Essendon losing their CEO in the next segment. So, we won't delve too much into Essendon. But what do you guys think about that question? Um, what's in store for Essendon? Well, I thought they were on the up, but it looks like, you know, the CEO, which we're going to talk about in our next segment a lot more, um, resigned a day in. Brad Scott has been a, a no-show all week considering he's the new coach of the football club and trade season's going on. So he has been way too silent for a fresh coach um, of his profile. So where's he hiding? I have no idea. Um... Essendon are not making any big moves either in the trade period, which they usually come out swinging. I think you're in for a little bit more pain if you're an Essendon fan. I don't think the list quality is there. I love some of your kids, which we've talked about previously. Uh, Harrison Jones is going to be a great forward. Um, Archie Perkins, Hobbs is going to be a great midfielder. Nick Nick Cox. Nick Cox is is going to be a a good player once he puts it all together. so you got them there, but they need key backs, and they've just gone missing. Um, someone else talked about this. It must have been on SEN Trade Radio. The Essendon biggest need is two key backs, and I've been saying that for a long time. They have Zach Reed. Apparently, got four goals a game kicked on him this year. Every game, you got to play him because he's at least two hundred centimeters tall, and you need a key back. Um, but yeah, they should be clamoring for key backs, as far as I'm concerned. And they have done nothing, so I think more pain for Essendon. North Melbourne, I think Clarkson will be there day one. He's brought in the high, expensive legal team. He'll find a way out of it, um, and he'll be coaching there day one, and I think they're making the right moves now. Even though they're losing a couple of players, they're making the right moves to have a better all-round squad than just buying on one or two names. So I think Kangaroos will improve, but they'll both be sniffing around the bottom four for me. Well, they must have been doing something right prior to the whole Clarko thing. Uh, saga kind of happening but you know 
we didn't see it at all last year because North Melbourne was shit house. But new coach, new players in the works. There was people, there was players saying, "I want to go to North Melbourne," or "I'm happy to go to North Melbourne." So they were clearly doing something right um, for the culture and that there with Clarko coming in. Um, so with Essendon, uh, Craig pretty much hit the nail on the head. Um, the big concerning factor for me is um, Brad Scott come into the club. He hasn't done anything. Alistair Clarkson come to North Melbourne and was calling all of his old teammates. He was like, he was on the phones trying to improve that list. Brad Scott, mate, where have you been? Like, you trying to celebrate your brother's premiership with him or something? Nah, bad. Like, I thought it was a good idea, him and his coach, but the fact he's come in and done nothing, really bad. Bad look for the club. They lost their CEO. We'll talk about it after. That's bad. Um, if I was another team, I'd start trying to poach Essendon players. Um, obviously, like, if, if I could, I'd be targeting Zach Merritt if I was another Victorian club. Start trying to poach their talent now while they're at a low point. Um, if The lucky thing for Essendon is that Adrian Derudio's there who drives a hard bargain, um, and he can see that they're bleeding, and he'll probably just... But Essendon won't make any moves this year. They'll just try to retain their list and just reset for next year, but I don't think it looks good. Um, North Melbourne... Craig was right. They are bringing in players, but I feel like they're just bringing in mediocre players. Um, they're at the bottom of the table. They're bringing in all these backup players like Darcy Tucker and all these players aren't first-team players on the other lists. So I doubt that they're going to be much better. Um, the kids that they do have with natural progression with like LDU and Jai Simpkin, um, they're still going to be the premier players and now they're just filling spots um, with bodies. It's probably better than what they do have, but as for a rise, there's like Craig said, they're still going to be battling around the bottom. Yeah, that sums it up for me. Those two teams. What's our next listener question? Our next listener question is: If you could trade for any key forward or back into your team, who and why? That's a very good question. Um, to our anonymous question person, um, Collingwood are in more need of a key forward than a key back. I would think someone who can just break a game open who would I love Charlie Kerner obviously had an amazing year um, but I'm looking at a a Max King a Ben King someone 200 centimeters tall that can take a contested grab um, is agile and that's something we need at Collingwood uh, more right now I thought that probably always hurts us in those games late where Mason Cox pops up and does it randomly but he's not of that quality. We need a, a big, tall, 200-centimeter quality forward. I would have at Collingwood. Rick, what do you need at Port? And I'd be thinking in the back line if I were you. Yeah, mine is why not have both and take Aaron Norton. He could probably be one of the best key defenders in the AFL, but he's so good forward that they play him as a forward. Um, obviously, his draft year, he was renowned as the best key defender, um, and now he's turned into an elite forward. Um, Port Adelaide's problem is Charlie Dixon can't take a mark. Aaron Norton can definitely take a mark so he can go up there and assist up there. Or if we needed him down in defense, he'd be able to be an elite defender as well. So you gotta go settle him in. You gotta settle him in one spot. Is he a forward or is he back? I uh, say the question said one forward or one key back. What are you settling Norton in? He's both, mate. No, <laughs> what are you settling him in for? He's not coming to your team unless you tell him what position he's playing. He doesn't want to be fluffed around. It well, doesn't actually say it doesn't specify one. Or whoever wrote that shit question, can you specify says, next time, please? Well, it said if you could trade for any key forward or, or back, key back or back for your team. Who any, and why? That's one. Any. That's a very good question, actually. Whoever wrote that. 
any is one key forward or be back. It's very clear. So is he a key forward or a key back, Rick Aaron Norton? That's all we're just trying to clarify for the listeners who ask these questions. I'd take him as a key forward. Fair enough. Pete, Adelaide Crows, what do you want and who do you want for your mix? You have- um, We are, well, I mean, I would also love another small forward, which I'm hoping Rochelle will kind of fill that role. But and like, we lost, we lost, and Rankin, but we lost, we need someone to replace like what Cameron, we lost, like Charlie Cameron that we lost. Mm-hmm. But we're uh, talking but a key forward and key back. We definitely need a key back to replace someone like Talia. I think that's what we're missing- Big mm-hmm. time. Who as do you want? As, well, I mean, I'll take someone like Stephen May, but... Sounds good to me. That would help Crows a lot, I think. Someone take on the big blokes down back. Yeah, that's what we miss from Talia not being there anymore. Great question. All right, what's next? Uh, no, just just before you move on, I love how you said that Crows are missing a small forward, and I love the fact that uh, Tyson Stengel got dropped. Uh, I do love that. Plus, I mean, we lost Stengel. We lost bloody Cameron. <laughs> you, at- you sacked Stengel. But- well, well, he wasn't the stangle that he is right now. He's not a 60-goal forward, that's for sure. He was a drink-driving, drug-taking, yeah, small forward. I mean, we all saw – well, I'm hoping you guys all saw, but uh, us three certainly saw it. But on our Instagram, Rick asked the question if uh, that taking drugs with Brad Crouch was the best decision for Stangle's career, and no, he's won a flag now, so. Oh, yeah, that was definitely the best thing for his career. I don't remember the exact numbers, but I'm pretty sure it was like 80% yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Last listener question. Uh, this one comes in from your mate, I think, Rick. Ryan Roberts? Correct. All right. Thanks, Ryan. Not an anonymous question. Which, uh, sorry, what picks will Port Adelaide bring in to facilitate their trades? Uh, well, this is a more Rick one, but I will jump in to help facilitate Port's trades. Um, they obviously got the compensation pick for Carl Amon, which will probably end up being enough for Willie Rioli, I think. Dub- That's gone, brother. They traded it. Who for? They oh, you tra- traded it as part of that package? Yeah, they traded it. I've got it here. Let me just go back to my Oh, well, notes. okay. So, the higher pick they got in out of all those pick trades, the 23 that they got in will probably end up- So, they traded pick 27 for pick 33, 43, 53. Oh, well, in that regard- 33 is probably not going to satisfy them for Willie Rowley, so it might have to be a 33, um, 53 or something a bit later would get that deal done. As for getting JHF, they have two first-round picks. Is there anything Port could offer up to get higher in the draft? Yeah, I mean, of course there is, but I don't really think anyone is in the market right now to um, consider trading for a higher pick. The other thing Port could do is maybe trade their future first and a future second to try and get a a team we know is not going to be as good their first round pick next year. Um, so you look at a West Coast probably too far down the ladder, a Gold Coast, a something like Hawthorne, Essendon, GWS, anyone that's going to be around that pick six to eight mark, try and get another one of them in next year for a future first and second um, that would help ease the the pressure that or the burden that I think was the unknown of Port next year um, that North Melbourne have the problem of Port jump up the ladder and do a Collingwood or a Carlton or a Freeman or then that set first pick next year doesn't look as juicy but if Port could trade that out to a team or do a pick swap for one that um, looks better they could get that deal done Port don't have a lot of picks left in that situation but I mean. 
they're trading for JHF, which a lot of our listeners think is a good idea anyway. I love how Craig said I was going to answer the question and then he rambled on for five minutes. <laughs> um, but no, Craig's right, except the fact that um, pick eight this year and our future first will be the deal for Jason Horn francis um, Pick 33, West Coast will end up taking it. And then it'll just, depending if we get Radical or not, that'll probably be a future pick as well. Um, or maybe even, I doubt it, but Geelong probably aren't going to want the scuff picks at the back of the draft. But I don't think Radical gets through. Um, and yeah, I don't think Port go to the draft this year either. All right. Uh, before we move on, I just saw something on Twitter that I thought was pretty interesting. What do you guys think about this comment? That Geelong win the flag, end up with Bruin, Bose, Ollie Henry, and pick seven. Is that incredible list management? I mean, yes. And and while Geelong did win the flag, they are a fucking old team still. They are like 28 years old average. So I don't know if they can have a dynasty as a 28-year-old team. They might be able to, but I'm not seeing it. I'm thinking they got their flag. They're happy. They win another one. That's unprecedented with the age list profile they have. But I think they need to get young talent in. Um, they're giving away all their draft picks in the first round to do it. I mean, you're getting first-round talent in, so whether they picked up an Ollie Henry with pick 18, um, they would have got someone like an Ollie Henry at pick 18 anyway, so they're just getting these players that have had a year in the AFL. So, I mean, the rich get richer, as they say, but I don't have an issue with it. Richard? Yeah, you nailed it with your last point. The rich get richer. If Geelong didn't win this year and they were just an old, crusty team, no one would want to go there. Um, The fact that they're good, these young people are like, let's go to a good team win some games, hopefully get to play. But at the same time, half those players you've played are going to struggle for spots on the team because they're not going to drop a Patrick Dangerfield for a young guy when he's at the end of his career still playing well. Um, Yeah, like it makes sense what Geelong are doing, trying to rejuvenate their list as they can still win games. Um, But yeah, good for Geelong. And like Craig said, the rich are going to get richer. And this is the reason why North Melbourne are bad and takes a long time to rebuild and the good teams stay good because none of these good young kids have said, oh, I want to go to North Melbourne. Um, they all want to go to the best teams and this is why there's the imbalance. Yeah, I was listening to Matt Rendell on Trade Radio, which we all love listening to. So if you have already listened to it, then I'm sorry. But he, when he was talking about how these teams rebuild and how long it takes to be a rebuild, it's it sits in the eight to ten year mark that these teams have been winning their premierships in. Um, your Richmonds, your Hawthorns, um, their drafts peaked and all their draft picks and all their stuff really peaked uh, in years like 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 is when they actually get um, the fruits of their labour for their drafting. So North Melbourne are going to have to spend a lot of time down the bottom and some of these other teams before they get even close to nailing that premiership. It takes a long time to build a list. Um, yeah, so... They're getting talent in North Melbourne, but it's not A-grade talent. It's B-grade talent. The problem is, so if you never drop that low, you've got the potential to be around the mark for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's when you let the ball drop and you hit rock bottom, you can't get talent anymore. You're getting all these good kids who are going to leave. Um, it just becomes the vicious cycle at the bottom. So, like, if you go back and listen to one of the earlier podcasts, I was like, my literal saying was, where's Port Adelaide Sam Walsh? We've never had a pick one. Pick four's the lowest pick we've ever had. With that, we took Chad Wingard, who left anyway, who was South Australian. So it's not like we could have done it any better. He mm-hmm. was one of the better players from that draft. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but Port Adelaide have always been around the mark. We've never hit a rock, rock bottom like North Melbourne because when you get to that point, that's when shit's bad, bad, and then you can't rebuild quickly. Whereas Geelong, we just won a premiership. Yep, our team's old. Everyone wants to come here. Like Colton has sat on the bottom for years and years. Yeah. They had all these number one picks. Now that those number one picks are starting to get good and their team's the mediocre range, every man and their dog wants to go to Colton. Yeah. So the same thing. So once, once you're not at that rock bottom point, I don't feel like you ever need to rebuild. You need to maintain. Whereas now your North Melbourne, your West Coast, they're gone. Like no one is going to be like, I want to go to West Coast. I want to go to North Melbourne. And these rebuilds are going to take 10, 15 years worth of first round draft picks to get enough kids that stay, that buy into your system, that you get good. So now other people want to come to your club. Yeah. So it's just the luck of the draw at this point in time. I don't have a problem. I don't think it's unfair or unequitable at this point in time. I think it's just that, that the um, some teams are just going to naturally rebuild quicker than others, um, and it comes down to more than just players, and it comes down to coaching and development and and a whole lot of different things. So your Sydney's and Geelong's have found a way to keep keep uh, around the middle and, and up, and other teams have to slog it out down the bottom and get up. Um, that could be resources, it could be many things, but Richmond hadn't won a final for 20 years before they won three grand finals. So everyone quickly forgets um, these things. And, I mean, North Melbourne under Brad Scott made two prelims, which I can tell you that a number of teams out there would kill to make two prelims and have a chance at grand final. Lucky Essendon hasn't, I don't even know, I'm not going to shit on Essendon anymore. They already cop it, but they haven't won a final for 20 years. Uh, Oh, we still got that coming out for bloody hell. Yeah, we've got to push through because we've, yeah. I reckon we've got a pretty long podcast coming, yeah, boys. On. We'll move on from that. All right, so it's been talked about a bit, so I think we'll only briefly touch on this, but the Essendon, uh, Essendon saga with the CEO, after one day of being in the chair, CEO uh, quit. What do we think about that, boys? I'm going to let you guys handle this because I know you feel stronger about it. I have one key point, and that is that I think we should celebrate people getting the job. I don't think we need to go out and look up everyone's personal life and history as soon as they get the job as Essendon CEO. He went through the process. He won the job, checked out okay, let him do his job instead of beating him up in the media, but the media will always try and bring you down. That's life. What do you think, Rick, with the uh, being told either, well, you can't hold a position at your kind of religious belief church and at this club? Well, they're saying he is not suitable for the job because of his religion and his other affiliations. So it's kind of like stupid because they're um, alienating him based on his beliefs because they don't align to their beliefs, but that doesn't make it right. They're like calling the kettle black. They're doing what they don't want him to do. So it's just, it's really bad. SNN. They're gonna hit rock bottom. They're gonna they're going downhill. Like I said, we've already spoke about it. coach come in, did nothing. They just lost their CEO. Um, even like that le- what's the legend from Essendon's name? Like the real successful coach, Kevin Sheedy. Yeah. He's talked shit about Essendon now, saying they should have had James Hurd. It's just not looking good. Um, on the list of how bad things are, I reckon Essendon are gonna dip below the stinky saints soon. So we've got to come up with a name for Essendon. That's where I'm at. Oh, I agree. I think Essendon, uh, they're going to absolute flop even more next year. This is just ridiculous. 
I don't understand why Brad Scott hasn't come in and hit the ground running like we saw with Clarko. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the comments on Twitter are pretty harsh for the CEO who's quit. The media's slagging him pretty hard. Uh, I don't know too much about his background and what he's done, but... Um, Does it affect you running the CEO of the club, your background and what you do on the weekend? I'm assuming the club is more concerned about the culture that it might breed, but it's all a political standpoint, the decision of giving him that ultimatum. Would you rather a CEO come in who pushes religious values that are are generally positive in comparison to have someone comes in who shoots up the players with drugs? So, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, who said he's going to push his Christian views on anyone anyway? It, exactly. We're not there. saying he's going to, but they had a guy who's shooting up the players with performance-enhancing drugs and they want him back. Yeah, well, well, that's correct as their coach. So, yeah, I don't, I have no idea what Essendon thinking, but, I mean, if we knew about this stuff before he got appointed, I'm sure they would have just not appointed him. But also... But I, like I, I disagree. I feel like if they knew that, like, why would you sack? You can't sack someone because of their religious beliefs or a position they have. That's discrimination against him. Like, maybe it's because he kept it secret, then it's come out and they can have an issue with it. But if you're upfront and honest about it, you can't not employ someone based on their religion. Like religion. And also, like, that's should be part of your vetting process for the job anyway. If like, I'm sure he's not. If he's got those, if he's part of a a church group or a specific religion, I'm sure he's not discreet about it. Like most people are pretty open about their religious views. So I can't imagine that he would have been hiding it. Yeah, he's not in a cult. He's not yeah, trying to hide anything. E- exactly. So, yeah, once again, I think the media obviously played a big part in it. But, um, yeah, I think if you're an Essendon supporter, uh, if you've got any mates that are Essendon supporters, it'd probably be chucking them a text message to check their welfare because it is a bad time to be a Bombers fan. The Bombers are going to bomb out this year. Want to have any mates that are from Essendon because they're no mates of mine. If Oh, my God. Jace, no. Travis Cloak is the head coach of the VFLW team. Travis Cloak, you're a traitor. <laughs> you're, you're dead to me, even though you own the ship. Good cut off there. <laughs> no, don't cut off. I was just looking at the Essendon um, BNF. All right, we're going to move into some trade news, being trade week. Um, and we're also kind of, we'll also pitch in uh, integrating some fantasy with how these trades will affect some fantasy scores if they go ahead. So we won't talk. The first point I got here is JHF, but we've talked about that enough. No, I've got the, I've got a list here. So I'll yeah, just go Yep, go for them. I got a list as well. Oh, Amon to Hawthorne. Up or down, fantasy. Reckon he, oh, down. I think he'll be a more he'll be a more consistent player. Now, see, I've got down as well. I reckon he had an exceptionally good year for Port. He's gone to a worse team who aren't going to give him the ball as much because they're not winning as much football. I think he'll be worse. He'll have a more consistent score because Amon had some games where he went like one fifty and then he dropped down to eighty. Yeah, but now he's going to have a lot more at like eighty games. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's going to be more consistent. He's not going to have that ceiling like he did at Port. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Bobby Hill to Collingwood. So, he averaged 47.4 last year. He goes up if he gets consistent games. Yeah, but I mean, irrelevant in fantasy. Can't really go down much from 47, can you? Um, Tim Taranto to Richmond. He averaged 95.9 last year. 
He, I feel like, is going to depend on where he slots in and if he's going to keep his DPP. I think he's an up. I think he starts in the guts and they play in there all day. I think he's going to be up. I'm calling it against the tide. So I'm hoping an up because I'm holding on to him in my keepers. Only one player at Richmond averaged more than that last year, which was Jaden Short. I agree, and I think that they're going to be a lot better. And he's going to be right in the middle there, and he just finds the ball. So up for me, he gets 100 next year. Yeah, I sat on the fence and put him as blue. He's going to be around the 95 mark for me. That's fair. Um, Jaden Hunt, so he averaged 42.8 to West Coast. 42.8, did you say? Yeah. Oh, well, he should beat that, surely, if he starts in their team. Got to be an up. I also have a note here. Who cares? Because he's not relevant. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to draft him or trade for him. You're not wrong. You're like, well, I'd I mean, be surprised if he gets picked up in anyone's league. But yeah, you're the one that brought him up. So. He's up from 42 <laughs> to 55. Um, Blake Akers to Carlton. He averaged really well. I think he's a 85. down. 85.3. I think he's a down. I think there's too many mouths to feed at Carlton. Yeah, I have lightning in a bottle. Frio system looked after him. He filled Langdon's role, who was a good fantasy player. Now he's going to Carlton. Sam Walsh plays on the wing. A lot of these other boys play on the wing. Yeah, I reckon Blake Ace is, is a sell now if you have him in fantasy yeah, too leagues. Too many people steal from uh, Carlton. Yeah. Dan McStay, so he averaged 64.1. Up to 75. 75, all right. I have him as a down because at Brisbane, he was their third tall. He's going to Collingwood to be your number one forward now. Are you being number two in front of who's in front of him? My check's in front of him. My check yeah, at 40 fair. goals. He's definitely ahead of him. He's number two. Well, either way, he's still going up a step in that tier. Yeah, And Brisbane still provide a lot of opportunity. It's not like he's gone from a stinky team. I've got him down, but yeah, good guy either way. Yep. Up, up, up. I wouldn't buy him, though, but up. <laughs> I wouldn't buy him if I was in a fantasy league, but he's up, if that's the question. Um, here's one. Liam Jones, he averaged zero last year. Mm, I'm on the fence. Oh, um, if the new COVID strain comes and he still doesn't want to get vaccine, so I'm going with a zero again. I have um, – it will go up, but I also have another note here that says, who cares? Um, it might I'll- be a who cares, but in our league with spoils, he might actually be relevant. Um, one other note I do have here, though, is Ed Richards will probably be an up because of Liam Jones coming in. Yeah, I think we will definitely like Liam Jones for uh, Liam Jones, Ed Richards for an up this year. Um, Griffin Logue uh, to North Melbourne. No, nah, he's not an up. He's a hold probably in their back line. I mean, a lot of ball will come down there. So, I mean, he could be an up. Um, Tom Berry to Gold Coast. I'm just surprised he even gets a game. I don't even know why the hell they wasted their time on him. He's the shit, Barry, brother. I <laughs> couldn't even get... Nah, he's... Uh, he won't be in their starting team in round one next year. You can pencil that in now. He'll be their VFL captain because he will not play an AFL game. Yeah, great. How bad have some of the trades been? I can't believe they traded, like, pick 46 for him. Like, Brisbane would have delisted him quite comfortably if you didn't offer him the trade. they just like, yoink, we'll take those points. Um, and Ben Long? I didn't know what he averaged last year, but I wouldn't consider him in any fantasy league. Yeah. No, pass for me. <laughs> yeah, that's it. They're all the trades that actually have happened. There's more that are being floated around, but that's all that's official. Well, I'm just reading something on Twitter, and Rick, I'd love to get your opinion on this because it is in relation to JHF and the Crows. 
So this came out 30 minutes ago uh, from Richard Douglas, the former Crow. He has said, uh, says here that he has claimed that Adelaide's midfielder, Jake Saligo, will end up being a better footballer than JHF. <laughs> Rick loved Jake Saligo too. Rick was high on Jake Saligo in the middle. So that is an um, interesting take. Jake Saligo will be a good player, but the difference is he is going to be, uh, at best, at very best, he would be a Jack McCrae, like a, just a high accumulator, good outside player, from what I've seen at this point anyway, whereas Jason Horn Francis is 19 and he's built like a tank. He breaks tackles now. He kicks goals. He can take wicked overhead marks. The player you're trying to compare is very different. Um, and I don't. Th- I would rather a Patrick Dangerfield clone compared to a Jack McRae clone any day of the week. And that's what you're comparing. You're comparing outside accumulator to a midfield tank. I have a really good question off the back of that that I just thought of with my genius mind. And it goes like this. In five years' time, will JHF or Jake Saligo be the best player in their team? Peter, will Jake Saligo be the Crows' best player in their team? Will you stop looking up porn at the same time as we're doing our podcast? I just read your Travis uh, Cloak article here. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's good. Answer the question. Will Jake Saligo... I the question. Go again. (laughs) Will Jake Saligo be the best player at the Crows within five years? In five years' time, will we be saying Jake Saligo, best player at the Crows? Oh, I don't know. Probably not. Or Rick. You're not Rick. You're not Port. Your name's Rick. Rick, will JHF be Port's best player in five years' time? I'm going to have to say no, but only because I feel like Connor Rosie in five years' time is going to be an absolute beast. You think Connor Rosie is going to be a better player than JHF? Say it on the podcast right now for all our listeners. You just said it indirectly, no, but we want to hear you it from did. We want to hear you come out and say Connor Rosie is a better footballer and will be a better footballer than JHF. Because in five years' time, we'll know if JHF is a good footballer or not. Chris Judd won Brownlow's at 22-23, so he should have won at least one by then. Will he be the best player at Port Adelaide? I'm going to have to say no. No? Oh, no. and you're training the whole football world for JHF. You're training eight first rounders and six seconds for him, <laughs> and he's not even the best player in your team. That's outrageous. Oh, what we just Stop the podcast about. now. That's, that's it. I don't think we can go on any further. What we spoke about before, though, like for what player would you trade two first-round draft picks for? Connor Rosie would go for two first-round picks right now. Yeah, yeah I reckon Connor, Connor Rosie on his current form probably would go for two first-round draft Connor round Rosie picks. at the midpoint of the year wasn't even worth one first-rounder. And then yep. suddenly Connor Rosie decided to go through puberty and now is worth two first-rounders and is better than JHF. Oh, you banked a lot on half a season, you Port fans. Oh, one, one thing half, you have to, twelve games. You've put all your faith in Connor Rosie. One thing you have to remember as well is Connor Rosie has a trait that no one else can just train to. His speed is like elite. Like if he wants to run away from you, you can't tackle him. He also has fast. a trait that he only plays half a season of good football every year. That's another trait that he has because he only played half a season of good football this year. So. So what, he ended up with, what, 15 Brownlow votes last year? So did Carl Amon. Yep, but listen to this. Carl Amon's not there now, right, <laughs> number one. 
And number two, if he starts as a midfielder, how many Brownlow votes do you reckon Connor Rosie's going to get next year? 15 because he didn't decide to play. He only plays half a season. All right, here's one for you. Connor Rosie will get more Brownlow votes than anyone at Collingwood next year. Oh, that's a good bet, Craig. I am happy to make that bet right now because we have a player on our team that's already better than Connor Rosie and he's only played 20 games of football. So that is the easiest bet I've ever made. Connor Rosie was sleeping on the side of the road while Nick Dacos was out there performing. Okay. So he slept for half the season and got more votes than Nick Dacos, who yeah. you're referring to. Yeah, because he was in a much better team, Nick Dacos, so there were a lot of players stealing votes. Jack oh, that's Chris, right. And he's in a Gun, better team. Jordan Ngoi, Gunn, everyone. Yeah, uh, Connor Rosie. W- one more question, best Craig. Best player at Port Adelaide. Crazy. When was the last time a Seagull in defense won a Brownlow medal? Uh, there's no Seagulls in defense. I think if you have a look... The amount of contested possessions that Nick Dacos won was exactly the same as Connor Rosie straight out of the middle. So there's no seagulls back there, mate. He's getting his hard ball just as much as Connor Rosie is. <laughs> you don't we're have any stats six, to back that up. We're putting a six pack on it. Yeah, we're putting six pack of so you're Johnny to Walker Blue on it. Dacos v Rosie, then. No, you said anyone from Collingwood. Oh, so you're not will that get more votes. Well, he's the one that'll get more, but anyone from Collingwood versus Connor Rosie. All yes, right, done. Six pack it is. What are we even talking about? What the fuck have we talked about all night? Because I swear we had a run sheet. We've got, we followed it relatively closely. Have we? Yeah, we just digressed a lot tonight. Uh, um, our run sheet looked pretty thin. It looked like about 20 minutes of content. So I don't know how the fuck we got here. Yeah, I don't even know what got us on the point of Connor Rosie. What are we talking about this? I'm so confused. Pete, we'll steer the ship, would you? We'll just keep it rolling. Just so- steer the ship. Do your job. <clears throat> Uh, I was just reading before. So Harry <laughs> Mackay signed a seven-year deal. That's a pretty pretty long deal. He's secured till twenty thirty. Was it on the run sheet? Where did you get that from? It was part of the trade talk. All right, that's, that's a good deal. Good. Sure, <laughs> Harry McKay was signed for a long time. Carlton are signing a lot of players for a long time. They are, and, um, and so they've also money. got they got Acres Mackay signed for seven years. Um, They'll be better than they were last year. Also read that Collingwood could end up in a zero net position with the Mitchell. Fourth one going to be paying for Mitchell to Collingwood and that's going to hopefully subsidize some of the blow for Grundy's outpayment from Collingwood. I'd rather Grundy than Tom Mitchell. Uh, I'd rather a Brownlow medalist than a Connor Rosie. (laughs) (laughs) No, I wouldn't actually. I'd rather have Connor Rosie than Tom Mitchell. Let that be on the record, just for the record. Um, Yeah, I mean... I can't believe you think Dacos is going to get more votes than Rosie. I can't believe you think Rosie's 12 games mean he's going to be a superstar. He could show up fat as a preseason camp, and that wouldn't surprise me at all because that's the kind of guy he is, clearly. Um, What are we talking about again? Tom Mitchell for Grundy. (laughs) Well, let's just trade Tom Mitchell for Grundy, like if that's the case. Just swap him straight to Hawthorne. They need a ruck. We need a... an overrated handball machine from Hawthorne. So, like, yeah. Actually, hopefully he goes there to dilute the votes at Collingwood because apparently- he, he probably would, actually, now you say that. He probably would. Um, The bet's already been made, though. What are we so, up to in time-wise on this podcast? Like three hours? Four? Uh, I'll just quickly- uh, We're up to about hour 20, so we should wrap it up. Hour 20? Wow. Yeah. That's obviously pre-edit, but- um. 
this three-way trade with Port Adelaide that you mentioned before is trending so highly at the moment. Well, I really hope it happens because Port Adelaide win that trade by the most and then it is probably West Coast and North <laughs> Melbourne are burning themselves. Apparently, guy from West Coast in Perth has come out and said West Coast want more if that deal is going to go through. They're not happy with what they get. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Let's wrap this up and we'll go into Rick's Reach Out. Rick, reach out. Rick, reach out. Rick, reach out. Welcome back to everybody's favorite segment, obviously surrounding me, Rick. Um, so I'm just trying to find it now, actually. Who's been your successful reach outs in the meantime? We'll talk about him, Peter, while Rick's thinking. Well, we had Jay Schultz. So we'll, uh, last one. Yeah, we said that last week, but we'll release that this week because we finally got the all clear from him. We had Mateus Philippines. We had, regrettably, probably the, the, the first reach out was a streaker. Yeah, I'm not we, sure about that. That was but the bottom we, of the we, barrel, so it's going well, up was, in there. Yeah. Hashtag live action if anyone wants to see him at his best. We try Ceratop Thursdays. Um, potentially have a radio DJ kind of bloke in, and we potentially have an AFLW footballer. So there's some stuff in the works. I mean, the first probably, well, I reckon it took us 10 episodes to get uh, like a, a guest a on. So, I mean, but in that, what, 10, we're at 17 now. So, from 10 to 17, we've yeah, had about four We're trending up guests, on so guests. It's getting there. We just need to get the reach out a little bit further. So, was that a pun? That's, it wasn't, but I take it. I'll take it. Yes, we need to get the reach out further. Okay, have we um, stored enough? Are you ready? Have you yeah, found I'm ready it? now. Okay. Oh, beauty. Let's kick it off. So, First of all, we got followed by the first actual legitimate AFL player this week, boys. Hey, clapping sound, please. To everyone. Sorry, everyone. Who do we get followed by? Brad Close from Geelong. Premiership player. Premiership player. Come That's out huge. and followed the podcast. We are, we're going place. That's amazing. But. What do you mean, but? The bad news is he also unfollowed us pretty quickly. What the fuck? I don't know if he's seen. I don't know if he's seen the shit I've talked about. Joel Selwood, not a big Joel Selwood fan. Just if people haven't realised, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> but either way, so what I did is I decided. How, to how quickly did he did he unfollow? Within a few a few minutes, like cause <laughs> so, we're not talking like an accidental follow unfollow straight up. But potentially it is. But so how what happened is I decided shit his friends of us if I inbox him it's going to go to his primary inbox yeah so I sent him a message saying hey Brad first of all awesome work in the GF and your success thank you for the follow really appreciate it um, I've seen you have been on other podcasts and would be honoured to have you on ours let us know you know if it's something you're interested in but then he also unfollowed us so I thought do you know what. Fuck you. I don't like Geelong as it is. I really didn't even want you on the podcast that bad. Yeah, well, You're not so- that great. Yeah. But then I actually called him out, tagged him in it, shared it as a story and said, thanks for the follow then, the unfollow at Brad Close. You're a true gentleman. Yeah. That was very tasteful, calling him out on his follow, unfollow. And yeah. was the has he followed back in after that post? No. And just and so no you know, response? Joel Selwood isn't in the AFL anymore. <laughs> Brad Close is the new Joel Selwood to me. Don't like this bloke. Okay. Joel Selwood is uh, not Joel Selwood. He was already on uh, Rick's stinky list. All right. So, it looks like when uh, Port play Geelong next, Close is going to get heckled big time by Rick. Bloody oath he is, mate. Oh, yeah. 
What a All podcast. Right. Yeah, it's been a, quite a podcast. Um, anything else before we wrap it up, boys? Nah, like the new logo, uh, listen to our thing. Tell everyone, everyone you know about our podcast, even if they cannot hear. Tell them anyway and like it on Facebook. Cause sign language it to them. You're yeah, saying? sign language it to them. Like we would love some more follows and listener questions and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, and for the people who are still listening this late in the episode, um, we're going to be continuing this. Yeah, over, for over the well, at least, at least the next month or two. At for least sure. for the next month, we'll probably wrap up in early December yeah, for a I bit of a break. So. But I mean, yeah, we're going to be going hard over the trade period. With I mean, and then draft after that, we'll start yeah. looking at. So there's plenty of content. Um, hopefully, we can get those guests on in the off season as well, because that'll be when we can poach a few people to get on the podcast. It'll be less busy, hopefully, before preseason kicks off. So, um, yeah. Have a look at our socials with the new the new logo. Uh, we create. might even have some merch out soon. I know we really want we to get that. We are going to get Now we've got the new logo. We've got some merch. We um, are going to get. Also, tell us what merch you want. We'll put a poll up. Yeah, what merch. We're also going to uh, be releasing a YouTube channel soon. So we're going to have, um, we'll put the, the video uh, content of the guests that we have. So I'll put up the one from uh, the showdown streaker. We'll put up the one from Matthias. And we've also just recently got the Jay Shorts one. So that'll be up on our YouTube as well. So that's a, that's a wrap. Last thing for me. Can't believe old mate here fucking thinks Dacos is going to get more brown <laughs> votes than Rosie. <laughs> Rocky yeah. Hunter with the big call. Oh, there he is. I was <laughs> going to say, we have not given you shit about Rocky Hunter all day. And... No, there was actually no fuck ups this week for any players. No, well, all our episodes are named after fuck ups. So, no, this yeah. one's definitely day costs more Brownlow votes than Rosie? <laughs> question mark. Yeah, I don't think that's far off either because Nick Dacos got three less votes than Connor Rosie. So I don't know why you think it's such a that big a gap.